Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a monster Monday that we're actually recording and posting on a Sunday night. Presented, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, classic journeyman. You can see the helmets behind me. Those of you that check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. The new week means new winners. We love them. We love you. We love those of you that try to be a winner. Spread the word winner via social media at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod, looking for some Facebook sharers, looking for some Twitter quote tweets at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod. You guys know the sponsors are what make us go. Express VPN, awesome. Raycon earbuds, amazing. LinkedIn, there's a bunch of them. Check them out over on the sponsor tab. Over at RossTucker.com. Love the YouTube growth and love giving you guys the cameo style shout outs. Just hit the thumbs up at YouTube.com slash NFL and make any comment, any comment at all on any of the videos. I will see it and you'll have a great chance to get a cameo style video. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. So I try to talk to this guy at least multiple times a year because he makes me smarter. He makes all of us smarter. He is, of course, the great Warren Sharp at Sharp Football on Twitter. You should go to sharpfootballanalysis.com, sharpfootballstats.com. He's on NBC Sports. He's on The Ringer with Bill Simmons. He's kind of everywhere at this point. And I feel like every year when I see these tweets, I try to get him either on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast or on the Even Money Podcast because it's strength of schedule time, which I guess leads to this question, Warren. Why is now strength of schedule time? We've known the schedules for a while in terms of opponents. We don't know when the games are actually being played yet. That comes out. Now, I guess after the draft, why is recently 
Warren Sharp strength of schedule season? Because prior to right now, the only way that you can really forecast strength of schedule is if you are going to utilize win rate from the opponents you're going to play this year based upon what they did last year. And we don't like to do that. It basically doesn't help us predict anything. So what we do is we look at the win totals that got released by the betting markets, Las Vegas, offshores, wherever they are now. And we're factoring those in as we calculate strength of schedule. And we just got the win totals that came out for the first time, I think a week and a half or two weeks ago. That allows me to start calculating strength of schedule. Strength of schedule for us, the way that I calculate it, is a dynamic tool and it changes over the course of the entire offseason. Now, a team that has the easiest schedule now is not going to become 15th easiest. You know, it's going to stay relatively close, but it's very important that you're utilizing strength of schedule methodology that's based upon the betting markets, and not based upon what these teams did last season. So I'm glad you said that because now it comes out. Here's my question. How much does it change when we actually get the dates of the games and we see rest? Because I know that's a big thing for you is the inequities in the schedule. Yes, yes. Good point, Ross. Inequities are going to happen all the time. The NFL can't get it all the way to a perfect science so that everybody has the same exact rest and schedule of opponent and uh, bye weeks and negated bye weeks. There's so many different things that I look for with the schedule timing. So right now we know what the schedule of opponents are and we know what the strength of schedule is based upon that. Just who you're playing all the 16, uh, sorry, 17 games that you're playing this season. What we don't know is the schedule timing, which will come out after the draft, most likely the first week or two in May. And at that point, I then start crunching the schedule and looking for those inequalities. I'm looking for who starts off with a difficult schedule. Like we're looking at the AFC. The AFC is so stacked that I personally think it's fruitless to try to go and bet Super Bowl futures on the AFC right now. But what I am going to look to do is if the Chargers start out with a brutal schedule and they drop a couple of games at the beginning of that schedule because it's so tough, but I know that the schedule is going to improve after that, I might wait until they lose a couple of games at the start of the season, and then I'll bet their Super Bowl future at that point in time. So the schedule timing is very important. It doesn't change the overall strength of schedule, but it's going to change how we're going to bet on these teams, when we're going to bet on them. And it might also impact how much we want to, I guess, delve into like regular season win totals. If a team is really at a disadvantage this season, we might not feel as good about their strength of schedule because the schedule timing is so terrible. So we definitely have to factor that in once it comes out. And I do that. I love it. That's almost one of my favorite days of the year is when they release the schedule because so many people out there, they, oh, who cares? We already know who they're playing. No, it matters big time when you are playing these opponents and the rest that those opponents are on as they face you. There's so many complicating factors with regard to the schedule release itself. Well, Warren, I'm going to I'm gonna be on you again after that comes out to get you on the Even Money podcast with me and Fezzik for the schedule inequalities for sure because, you know, I've seen other people that do a strength of schedule analysis after the season win total comes out. Nobody goes as in-depth as you do with the schedule inequities. Let's, let's, let's hold that part of it for the Even Money podcast for what we know right now, 
just based on the sports book season win totals. And let me let me take a step back, actually, Warren, because I think I usually do have you on Even Money Podcast. We probably have people here on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. They might not even know what season win totals are and why that's so important. So season win totals, the sports books set a number, eight and a half wins, nine wins, nine and a half wins. How many wins do they forecast that a certain team is going to get in this upcoming season? They go through all 32 teams. They understand who they're playing. They understand the players they got. They're waiting until most of the dominoes fall during free agency. They want to see where some of these big quarterbacks are going in trades or other moves. Once it, the dust settles a little bit, they'll come out with their win totals. Now, I will say at this point in the offseason, it is relatively early. Like it, you, A lot of times they've waited until after the draft to post those. But it's just like with everything else in the betting markets now, Ross, the sooner you can get things up, the sooner they'll start taking your money, the longer they get to hold on to it. And so they've been pushing it earlier and earlier every single year. So that's what season win totals are when we say that. It's just how many games for the upcoming season does the sports book predict that you're going to win? And then people can come in and bet that you'll win more than that or that you'll win less than that. All right. So what is the analysis that we know the impact it has the next year. In other words, a lot of times the season win totals are wrong. So we're going based on the season win totals now, and that's their best guess on how many wins. What do we know about after the fact, right? So in other words, uh, and, and I encourage everybody to check out Warren on social media at Sharp Football, but you have five easiest schedules, Commanders, Bears, Eagles, Colts, Seahawks, five hardest schedules, Raiders, Niners, Rams, Jets, and Chiefs. So I guess there's two questions here. Number one, how much, how sticky are these? Like when we review it after the season, how much variance is there from what we thought were the toughest and easiest schedules before the year typically? That is a great question, number one, because to me, question number two then becomes, what can you do with this information? Can you bet on it? What can you do with it? So let's talk about the first one first, and that is, is this sticky? So what we care about when we're discussing strength of schedule, we don't care, Ross, about a team that's ranked number 13 and, oh, they've got an easier schedule. If number one is the easiest schedule, we don't care that number 13 is a little bit easier than number 16, right? Like those types of discrepancies don't really matter to us. What we want to know is the extremes. Who has the top five or top 10 easiest? Who has the top five or top 10 most difficult? That's what we really care about. And so when we talk about how sticky are these numbers, here's an example. Last year, at the end of the season, there were – eight teams that had the most difficult schedules, the hardest schedules in the NFL. That was in January when the final game concluded. Back in April, before the season even started, before the summer even was here, I predicted seven of those eight teams would have the top eight most difficult schedules. So this methodology, the strength of schedule methodology, using season win totals, and as you said, the win totals aren't always right. A lot of the times, some of them are off by wide margins. But in terms of predicting the extremes, in terms of most difficult, we peg seven of the eight. In terms of the easiest schedules, we peg seven of the top 10 easiest schedules. So we were very good with predicting the extremes. Now the question becomes, if we're good at predicting the extremes, what can we do with that information? And one of the interesting 
things that I then looked at was season win totals. Let's look back at season win totals. Of the 10 teams that actually had the hardest schedules last year, so by January, these 10, 10 teams had the most difficult schedules, only three of the 10 went over their win total. In other words, it's very difficult to exceed expectations that the book set if you're dealing with a very, very difficult schedule. And on the other side of the coin, of the 10 teams that had the easiest schedules, only three went under their win totals. So again, it's very easy to exceed your expectations. It happens very regularly when you're playing a super easy schedule. So you take those two things and combine them. You say, the difficult and the easy teams that actually play difficult or easy schedules by the end of the year, these ten, these teams tend to go over or under their win total based upon how difficult their schedule is. Can we use this strength of schedule analysis to forecast the teams that might have an easy or difficult schedule? And the answer is yes. So it is quite useful as a tool, not so much predicting 13 versus 16 in the mid-range, but focusing on the extremes, it has, it has done very well over time. How much change will there be after the schedule is actually announced and you account for rest? In other words, if I'm someone that listens or watches the Even Money podcast, do I act on Warren's toughest and easiest schedules now? Or do I wait until the actual schedule comes out because there's a decent amount of variance? Or is the variance because of the rest so small that there's no reason to wait? Well, in, in the instance like the Washington Commanders who have the easiest schedule, even if their schedule timing is one of the most brutal, it's not going to change their num ranking from probably number one to like number 15 in it, uh, an average schedule. They're probably still going to be top seven at the worst in terms of easiest schedule. So there might be a little variance, but the interesting thing is the act, the announcement of the fact that they have a difficult schedule timing like the rest stinks and they're playing teams that have extra rest and they're always playing these road games on short weeks and their bye week is negated because their opponent has a bye week the same week as their bye week if all of these things are going against the washington commanders what is going to happen is that the betting market might take their win total from let's say uh, what is their win total right now uh i want to say it's like seven and a half they might take their win total from seven and a half down to seven and their opponents, they might tick up a couple of the opponent's win totals. Well, then all of that, all the win total movement gets accounted for as I rerun this model. And thus, it's all going to be taken into consideration. And that's what's going to cause those slight tweaks in the schedule. So I think some of the more eye-opening schedules, you should go ahead and look to just grab them now. If you, if you really feel like, oh, wow, this is lending something to the analysis that I wasn't contemplating before, once I factor it in, I do want to fire on Washington over or the Giants win total over, something like that. I would wait to do that. I, I would do some of those now. Um, but the more information you get, the more confidence we'll have in these projections. Is there a way to calculate, Warren, what the difference is between the easiest and the hardest? Meaning, right now you have the commander's with the easiest schedule, if they had the hardest schedule, what 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 difference would that make in your mind in their season win total? So right now, I think you said they're seven and a half with right. the easiest. If they were flipped and they were the Chiefs and they had the hardest, what would that mean? Is there a way that over the years you figured out what that number is or is that impossible? 
I wouldn't say that it's impossible. I have not calculated it because it's of no value to me to, to play in the world of the hypothetical. I would venture to say it's probably no more than a win to a win and a half on a win total. But, but I that's, a that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's substantial when we're talking about the betting market and where that would put them. That would put them down with like the Panthers and the Lions at six wins if they were playing the most difficult schedule in the NFL. So like if you took them out, I guess the best way, the best analogy would be if you plucked Washington out of the NFC East and you gave them the schedule of the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC West who are playing a first place schedule in the AFC West this year. Yeah, I would say it's probably about a win and a half uh, a difference. Now, the reality might be that you would still want to bet they're under in that situation. Um, but I, I don't see it being substantially more than that. Um, and I also, I'll, I'll be honest, Ross, I utilize a lot of strength to schedule during the course of the season. And I have found inefficiencies in the betting market. I don't think the betting market takes into account strength of schedule enough. Um, I don't think they do that on a weekly basis. I don't think they do it on a future looking basis, you know, like because you can bet futures on these teams. There are inefficiencies in betting division futures and conference futures based upon strength of schedule early on in the season, significant ones. Yeah, and uh, not this week, but next week on the Even Money podcast, Steve and I are going to take our first glance at the DraftKings Sportsbook season win totals. And, and I want to make it clear here. This is not supposed to be necessarily for everybody listening. It doesn't have to be a betting conversation. It's just you can all look at Warren's Twitter. You can look at Sharp Football Analysis. You can see exactly how difficult your team's schedule is, which matters for your tickets, for watching them on TV, for their playoff chances. You know, look, I think the Chiefs still have a pretty good chance to make the playoffs. But the Jets, with the second-hardest schedule – the New York Jets, good luck to Zach Wilson and the boys. Speaking of the Chiefs, uh, Warren, last thing I, I have to ask you, the new overtime rule for the playoffs. I'll have two questions here, but the first one, I like to give guys like you a, a blank slate. Just your thoughts on the new overtime rule. If they came to you, is this what you would have recommended? Do you think it's equitable? Your thoughts on an overtime in the postseason, both teams getting a possession. I love it. I love it. I think it was necessary because of the rules construct that has been implemented over the years to make the NFL such an offensive driven league with the quarterbacks and the passing efficiencies and defenses that are gassed by the time you get to overtime. So all the people all just play defense one drive. I don't know where you even fall on it, Ross. So not to uh, offend you in any no, way, no, but, no, no. but if I, I simply think that, um, those people, hey, now both teams get to have to play defense. But I think it was a great rule. Now, is it fair? Yes. I actually think I, I saw some of the models that were run, 12,000 simulations of this new overtime rule by Brian Burke over at ESPN. And it showed that it was the most equitable overtime rule, sudden death rule that we have ever had in the NFL. The team that gets the ball first tends to win those games in the simulation. I want to say it was like, 50.6% of the time um, versus the team that gets the ball second. Whereas the current rule with the coin flip, the team that selected and took the ball, I mean, they were winning the games in overtime, like 75 to 80% of the time uh, in the, in the NFL playoffs. So I'm super happy that they have this new rule and it now presents an entirely new 
set of choices for these teams to make. Do I want to take the ball first or do I want to take the ball second? If I have the ball second, and am I going to go for two if I do match the first team and score a touchdown? So there's a lot of a lot of new questions that are going to be asked of these coaches and decision makers. Well, that's my second question, Warren. You led me right into it. Um, I don't know if you've run the numbers yet, but should you kick off? And in that way, it's almost like college overtime where you get the ball second. You know you're getting it second. You know what you need. They got a field goal. Okay. They got nothing. Okay. They got a touchdown. Okay. Or do you still want the ball because you – believe there's a good chance that there's a third possession and you want to be the team that gets the third possession. I got to be honest with you, I, I don't know the answer to this. I think you can make a, a strong argument either way, especially if you decide to kick off and you're committed to going for two if you score, meaning it's going to be a two-possession game. Right. So, the numbers say by slightest of margins over thousands, like this would never play out in any of our lifetimes, right? So the reality is um, these numbers take it with a grain of salt, but the numbers say that going first, having the ball first, getting, telling the other team we're, we, we want the, we want to receive the ball here, not deferring to the second possession that will give you a slight, slight edge. And that's because if both teams score the same amount of points at the end of those first two possessions, then you get that third possession, which is sudden death. And so the edge that is gained, as you mentioned, by going second and having four downs to convert a first down because you know you have to at least get a field goal or at least get a touchdown here, there is an edge inherent in having that second possession from knowing what you need. But it is offset and then some by getting that third possession afterwards. So the way that I personally would play it, particularly if I was the team with the ball last in regulation, I would want to force that defense that's probably already tired to go back out on the field again. I would want the ball first. I would go down. I would try to score a touchdown and I would be looking to just kick the extra point and forcing that other team to take the ball and needing them to score a touchdown to match. And that way, if they do, I get the ball third to just score any points to win the game. The one caveat would be if it becomes, if, if one team or two teams try this at first and then every single team at thereafter decides to go for two on that second possession, which I would absolutely advocate that all of the teams, if the first team scores a touchdown, the second team should be scoring the touchdown going for two. If that second team tends to always go for two, then you may not want to be in that situation where you're kicking first. Um, but it, it, it's it's so close. It's so close to being even in terms of, well, you could argue this or that, that I think is the perfect overtime rule. I really love the way that the NFL has come down on this. And the fact of the matter is, Ross, it's only in the playoffs where maybe we'll be lucky and see it happen once this upcoming season, right? I hope that we do. But it's not like we're going to see this so frequently. Um, this is going to be really interesting to see how the teams decide uh, things with regard to deciding to receive the ball or going for two after they score touchdowns. So here's the deal with Warren. Okay. Nobody's better with the numbers, but he's also incredibly passionate about this. And his delivery is awesome. Like I, I'm not surprised at all that you're a star Warren. And there's still people that don't know, like you are a, like 
you've got all three. You've got the knowledge, the passion, and your delivery is excellent. Really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Check him out on social media at Sharp Football. Thanks, Warren. Hey, thanks, Ross, for having me. Man, that guy is hired. And he's got a couple small businesses. As a small business owner, you're juggling 100 balls in the air and don't have time to interview candidates who just aren't qualified for your role. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier for you to find the people you want to interview faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Ross. That's linkedin.com slash Ross to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ducks takes. Hi, Ross. Let's start today with the Dolphins. Uh, cornerback Xavier Howard gets a record-breaking cornerback deal. Most money, first years, first three years, most guaranteed money for a cornerback ever. Yeah, this is really something because he's gotten, I don't even know what year this is for Xavier, but this is at least the third new contract he's gotten. He got the one early. Wasn't happy about it. They adjusted it last year. Now he gets huge money. I mean, he's already under contract for a couple more years. To now get this, good for him. Good for his agent, David Canner, does a terrific job. Here's what's very clear. The Miami Dolphins are not messing around this year. They don't want to have any issues with guys with money. They want to be loaded up. They want to, Not only do they want to see what Tua can do, I tend to think that either Stephen Ross said, hey, I, I don't care what it takes. Let's make sure we have a good year. Or maybe Chris Greer, the GM, thinks he's on the hot seat because they are not messing around. That much is obvious. Ducks takes. Sticking with the Dolphins, they trade Devontae Parker and a fifth-round pick to the Patriots and in return get a third round. Always interesting when you trade a guy within the division, we have to assume that that's the best offer that the Dolphins got. And really, probably by a decent amount. If anybody else had offered him that, you'd think they would have rather traded him out of the division. So I think that's pretty telling. I, I'm, you know, Look, he's making over $8 million. So maybe some teams didn't like that. And he's been up and down in his career. But that's a fascinating trade. Anytime you do it in division. 
the the Patriots have had a lot of success bringing in Dolphins receivers like Wes Welker. It's interesting to me that the Dolphins would go to that well again. Ducks takes. Frank Gore, the third all-time leading rusher in NFL history, is going to retire, and he is signing a one-day contract with the 49ers to retire as a Niner. Yeah, I always think it's interesting. How good do you have to be? First of all, Frank Gore had a ridiculous career. To tear both his ACLs in college and become the third all-time leading rusher in NFL history is bananas. I mean bananas. You know how many running backs there are out there? You know how many kids there are that play running back? And this guy tore both his ACLs in college and still became third all-time in NFL history? That is ridiculous. Absolutely absurd. And, uh, you know, he spent most of his career with the Niners. I guess supposedly he's going to go in their front office there, which is cool. Ducks takes. Let's get to some of the recent signings, and we'll start with running back Gio Bernard. Back to the Tampa Bay Bucks, a one-year deal. Bucks also re-signed quarterback Ryan Griffin. The Raiders signed quarterback Nick Mullins. Vikings uh, signed guard Chris Reed, and the Saints re-signed safety PJ Williams. Brady wanted Gio Bernard back. I think I saw somewhere where this is Ryan Griffin's eighth year with the Bucks. That is unreal. Is that a real stat, or did? Eight years for Ryan Griffin? To my knowledge, I don't think he's ever gotten in a game. I don't think he's ever started a game. Nick Mullins got over a million dollars guaranteed from the Raiders. He could not have been worse in the preseason last year for the Eagles. I mean, he was awful. Vikings keep getting that O-line depth with getting uh, Jesse Davis from the Dolphins, now Chris Reed. And P.J. Williams has been the Saints his whole career, I think. Ducks takes. Uh, your buddy Danny Snyder may be in a little more hot water if this uh, this story I'm about to say is actually true. Apparently, Washington allegedly had a scheme to hold back some ticket revenue that they did not share with the rest of the teams in the league. That is according to A.J. Perez from Front Office Sports, who has some connection either in the media or with uh, somebody that used to be in Washington or this congressional committee, Daniel Snyder will have to sell the Washington commanders if this is accurate. If they have proof of this, he will be done. Honestly, what I've seen from the most part so far is like celebration from commanders fans who are hoping this is right so that he has to sell the team. It's so sad. I mean, you get to that point. That is so sad that you're rooting for your owner to have stolen money from the other owners. So that he has, I mean, it's just so sad what's become of that organization. Um, And it stinks because that's where I started and finished my career. We'll see. They have to share 40% of their ticket revenue with the other owners. Supposedly, they. here's the thing little life lesson if you do illegal or inappropriate things and then you fire people they might tell people about the illegal inappropriate things that you did that's the problem that's a major major problem first of all doing illegal inappropriate things is a problem secondly 
letting go of the people that were in on it. Major, major problem. You know what's not a problem? The fact that we're going to have the college draft and even money podcasts up tomorrow so we can talk Masters and UNC Kansas National Championship game with my buddy Will Brinson on the Even Money podcast. Shout out to all of our patrons, including our newest patron, Stuart McDonald. Gosh, I love when we get new patrons. Patreon.com slash RT Media. Of course, the shout outs. Go to Evergreen Economics, SteakhouseSports.com, HumanHeadNYC.com, Go-Bangles.com, Pizza Boy Brewing, and Sportaculture. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mentioned DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109WITHIT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.